welcome in to episode 101, our first episode of the new century. Very happy and grateful to have you all back with us, Darren and Andrew, on this week's show. If you have not listened last week, the biggest episode we've ever done, episode 100, where we picked the top 100 athletes in U.S. history from all manner of sports, from football to basketball, golf, tennis, the Olympics, auto racing, a little bit of everything in there. Uh, Really fun for us to do, be able to have that research project and kind of geek out on sports. Back this week, finally getting to some NFL free agency and draft, going to look at some of the top prospects, maybe give you some clues into what we think your favorite team should do next week when the NFL draft is finally upon us. Before we get into that, we need to do a couple NFL, a uh, couple playoff picks here, starting with the NBA, as I presume Andrew is watching some manner of NBA game right now. Absolutely. I'm watching uh, Knicks Cavs. Go Cavs. I don't know that we need to pick out the entire playoffs right now because they take, you know, Andrew will definitely be on before we get out of the first round. But uh, just some first round picks here. Do you want to go east or west first? Let's go east. So in the Eastern Conference, we'll just start here. You're one versus eight. You have the Miami Heat, who were the seven seed, lost in the first play in game. So they dropped to the eight and they're taking on the Bucks. And just going to trust Andrew to give me the the quick hitter on this one. I want to go the Bucks. I don't know that this is much of a series. I'm just going to uh, qu- quick glance take the Bucks. Yeah, I think that's a good call. Um, even with the uncertainty surrounding Giannis, he's doubtful for tomorrow. Um, the Heat shot 60% from three, and the Bucks shot under 25% from three. Thanks. I don't think. Uh, both of those things will be repeated. In fact, I would bet neither one is repeated in game two. So even without Giannis, I think the Bucks are fine here. They've got enough to get it by, get by through in game two. Then I think take this thing in five. So Bucks in five. A healthy Giannis, I'd go Bucks in four. I think you're right. The Heat are so gritty, good, forever underappreciated. Jimmy Butler, I think they'll steal one. The 4-5, I think this is the best matchup of the first round in the East, if not the whole playoffs. Cavs, Knicks, I've been infatuated with this Cavs team all season. Don't like that they're down 1-0, and then are they currently getting beaten up by the Knicks? What's our, as we're recording, what do we got going on? Uh, it's currently looking like they're going to go ahead and even things up Thank at you. one game one game apiece here. I, th- I think we're going 7, but I'm going to keep riding with the Cavs. Yeah, I think we're going seven as well, and I'll give the slight edge to the Cavs, too. In the bottom half of the bracket, your 3-6 matchup, the Sixers and the Nets. Again, Andrew's watched far more of this than I have. It seems like the Sixers are kind of on cruise control. This is not the Nets team we thought we'd have at the beginning of the year. This is just going to be a clean sweep, 4-0, Sixers. Just are the Nets just kind of limping into the offseason now? What do they is Ben Simmons playing? I know nothing about ever since they got rid of Kyrie and Katie, I totally stopped paying attention to the Nets. No, no Ben Simmons. You're you're getting a little bit of a Mikhail Bridges renaissance. He's been yeah. um showing a lot of things with uh his scoring ability. He's launched himself into a twenty five point per game scorer as a the leading scorer of the Nets and a pretty efficient man or two, but Beyond that, there's not a lot to write home about the Nets. So um, they're done. It's uh, going to be a 4 0 sweep. So we've got Spencer Dinwiddie, Mikhail Bridges, and Dorian Finney Smith, and Cam Johnson, all kind of the starting stars for this team. I wonder where all those players came from. 
Uh, a couple of them came from uh, Dallas. A couple came from Phoenix. I mean, yeah, basically all Dallas and Phoenix. And look how that worked out for Dallas. It did not work out well for Dallas, but I think Phoenix is doing all right. And down to the bottom game here, Celtics, Hawks. Hawks again winning that first play-in game to draw the seven spot. The Celtics already ahead in this one, one to zero. Again, I, I hate to be boring, but I feel like it's another four-game sweep here for the Celtics. Yeah, I think I think you're right. The East in the first round is definitely a boring boring playoff setup. So Celtics in four, couple sweeps here, a five-game sweep with the Bucks, and then maybe a seven-game series with Knicks-Cavs. Not a lot of intrigue in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Again, I don't I don't want to pick it all the way through right now, but if you had to put on your your or look into your crystal ball, Sixers and Celtics as a second round matchup, or Bucks versus either Cavs or Knicks, which do you think is the juiciest matchup? I think Sixers Celtics is the juiciest matchup there. I think a healthy Giannis versus the Knicks or the Cavs. Uh, either one of those teams is going to be up against it against a healthy Bucks team, and I expect the Bucks to kind of cruise through that. Um, so I really think Sixers Celtics has a lot of seven game potential. Although I do think the Celtics kind of with their experience with Tatum and Brown having been there before, and I'm not going to ever trust James Harden in a game seven. So give me the Celtics in seven. So Bucks Celtics Eastern conference finals. Feels like the safe bet. We'll revisit in two weeks and, Maybe we'll be into the second round by them. We know how much the NBA loves to drag out their postseason. Uh, let's go over to the West here quick. The Nuggets and the Timberwolves. I will say the West feels like most of these, to me, feel like more six or seven game series, except for the Nuggets, Timberwolves. Maybe they can get to five if the Timberwolves have all their players healthy and not fighting amongst themselves. I just, I can't see them hanging with the Nuggets for more than five. Yeah, I think this, I think the Timberwolves steal one at home. I'll give them one game at home, but uh, Nuggets in five. And then down a fantastic 4-5 matchup, I believe. Is this game happening tonight as we're recording on a Tuesday this week? Suns, Clippers, maybe a bit of an upset that the Clippers took the first one. I think the Suns get it right. I see this one going seven, but I'm I'm going to go with the Suns here. Be boring and picking the favorites the whole way so far. Yeah, I'm kind of going to be boring with you, although... Um... Scott Foster is officiating tonight, and he hates Chris Paul. <laughs> There's some real Clippers uh, going up 2-0 potential here. I'm going to be different. I'm going to take the Clippers. The Clippers in six games. Who? So if the Cavs and the Suns are both down 2-0, who do you think has a better chance to come back? The Cavs, but the Cavs are not going to be down 2-0. Ah. All right. I was not looking forward to talking about this. The 3-6 matchup. I've been on the Warriors hype train. I've been saying they're going to get it right and at least be a Western Conference final team. And then there's Andrew. You've heard other people get aboard this Kings bandwagon in the last month or so. Andrew's been on them since about December 1st. The leader of the Beam Team bandwagon and your Kings are up 2-0 and now we got Draymond stomping on people. I... Kings Warriors 3-6 with the Kings in a 2-0 lead. Hey, I've been a Kings fan since June of 2022, please. So thank <laughs> you. 
Thank you very much. Uh, I've been on them since June. Watched King's Summer League. I mean, I've been on this team since before the season started. So, yes, I am a bit of a bandwagoner, obviously. The Keegan Murray, the Iowa affiliation. Um, But we should have seen this coming, right? The Warriors are who we thought they were on the road, which is to say one of the worst teams in the NBA on the road. They were 11, 30, 11 and 30 on the in the regular season on the road. So no surprise, they lost the first two games on the road. Um, that being said, the Sacramento Kings are the best road team in the Western Conference. So I think this is going to be Kings in five. Um, I think the Warriors get game three and then the Kings take games four and then close it out home in game five. In front of a sold-out Golden 1 Center that's going to go nuts as soon as the Kings go ahead and uh, move forward to play uh, either the Lakers or the Grizzlies. I think I do think the Warriors are going to battle back here. They have home games Thursday and Sunday. I think they go back to Sacramento with a 2-2 tie. Then So Game 5 would be Wednesday. I still think we're going to go 7 here. I just don't like that Game 7 would be in Beamtown. Sunday the 29th. Yeah, I don't I don't see it. I think Curry's good for one game, but if you've been watching this series, uh you would know that the Kings really haven't even played their best offense yet and they're still up 2-0. Um they've really been ratcheting it up on defense, but I really think they're going to hit their stride in uh game 4. Um in a bounce back situation and then uh Cruz in game 5. So I really think I really think this is a, a Kings and five um, kind of deal, but I could be wrong, but I really, I really feel like uh, Sacramento has this locked up. And the, the juiciest one, because it's got the most famous player on the planet, LeBron James has the Lakers up one Oh, they have game two Wednesday night at Memphis. The Grizzlies are the two and the Lakers are the seven, but the Lakers have LeBron, the tinfoil hat, Contingency of the fan base will tell you the NBA is going to do everything it can to tip the scales in favor of the Lakers. Don't know that I buy that. I just buy LeBron's greatness and how well this team has looked since they got rid of Russ and really uh, just really improved here down the stretch. Give me the Lakers to take this one in about six. I think the Grizzlies still just have that young up and coming attitude. They're still developing the off the court stuff. Is that behind them? However, am I correct? Mr. Jaron Jackson Jr. is a Grizzly, and he's now the Defensive Player of the Year? Yeah, he is the Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, the biggest storyline, though, here is, is John Morant going to play? I don't think he broke his hand, but I believe he's also doubtful for Game 2. And that's a really big deal, obviously, for the Grizzlies. I don't think they stand any sort of a chance without John Morant. They might they may not stand a chance with John Morant because apparently Austin Reeves is the best player on the planet. Um, I'm I'm him. Yeah. Austin Reeves and Roy Hachimura took over in the fourth quarter (laughs) of game one. That classic Uh, NBA combo, the new Stockton and Malone. Yeah. It's a, it's a Reeves, uh, Hachimura super team in LA. So, um, yeah, I got, I got Lakers in six. We'll say, and I'm that's banking on the fact that John Morant plays. I still think we're get we're headed for a Lakers Kings Western Conference semifinals. 
So you and I are in alignment on the Nuggets and the Lakers, and then we're split on the other two. So, uh, again, just kind of teasing a little bit, you'd have Nuggets and Clippers? Yeah, I got Nuggets and Clippers. Mm-hmm. And who do you who do you feel a little bit better about in that one? I feel pretty good about the Nuggets. I think we're getting uh, the Nuggets into the Western Conference Finals. I think they'll take care of the Clippers in five. And then you would have your beloved Kings versus the Lakers. Feels like yep, it's 2001. I, think, I think the Kings exercised the demons of the 2002 Western Conference Finals uh, series in which they were robbed, absolutely robbed. Um, I think they exercise those demons and make it to the Western Conference Finals in five games. They take on the uh, they take on the Nuggets. That's Kings uh, Nuggets Western Conference Finals that, that America's been clamoring for. Uh, I think America would love it. I think most of America that aren't Lakers fans would absolutely love uh, having the Kings in the Western Conference Finals. That's the tough thing about this postseason for me. Is I like the Nuggets. I've been a Nuggets fan by you know from afar for about five to six years now. It's just I've been bitten so many times by them not getting it done. I don't know that the Lakers and Warriors feel that special this year. To me, the Kings and Grizzlies are still young. The Wolves aren't there yet. It kind of leaves me the Suns and Clippers. Sure, the Suns have the super team, so maybe they're the ones to buy into. They're already struggling with the Clippers. Feels like top to bottom, the West is better. But whoever gets there, I don't know how I like them against the Bucks or the Celtics. Spoiler, as much as I love my Cavaliers, it feels like the Bucks and the Celtics are still the two to beat no matter who comes out of the West. Yeah, I, I kind of feel that way as well. I specifically think it's the Bucks. Spoiler alert, I think the Bucks are going to win the East. But um, that's, uh, yeah, that's kind of how I feel as well. Bucks, Celtics are the two best teams. Do you... But the West is way more intriguing. Maybe you don't have an answer on this. Do you have a preference on your NBA watching the kind of the studio and the game play-by-play TNT versus ESPN slash ABC versus NBA TV? Um, the inside the NBA crew on TNT is the best. Um, but yes. when I, when it comes to uh, play-by-play, I want uh, Mike Breen every time. He's an ESPN guy. Correct. Yeah, he's the ESPN guy. I mean, I could do without uh, Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson. Um, oh, I don't. I don't really like either of those guys. I've come to like Mark Jones, um, and I love Doris Burke, by the way. So I think ESPN's got a little bit of the advantage with the uh, the in-game stuff, but like the studio stuff, that's all TNT, and that's been the best. That's been the best NBA in-studio show since the dawn of time. I mean, Ernie and Kenny Shaq and, and Chuck have been kind of a mainstay for the longest time. So. Which for better or worse, they're, they're well known. They may be the most well-known, I would say studio show of any sport, even over some of the NFL Sunday crews. It just wonder, is that a good thing for TNT? I could not tell you who does TNT in games, maybe Grant Hill, maybe Chris Weber. I don't watch TNT. So I just, I get much, I get more Jeff, Van Gundy, which is maybe why I like him. Cause I'm just used to Jeff Van Gundy doing my NBA games. Yeah. You get a lot of uh Reggie Miller when you watch TNT, wow. you get a lot of uh Ian Eagle as well, who I really like as play by play guy. He's my favorite um, in college basketball games. I love him for March madness. Yeah. Yeah. He's great. And, um, 
you get Jim Jackson sometimes as well. I don't really, yeah, it's, it's a little rough. I like Kevin Harlan. I think we've got really good play-by-play guys in the NBA, but some of the color commentators on TNT leave a lot to be desired. Can't forget our old pal, Bill Walton. What's he up to? Uh, um, no, he's been uh, relegated to Pac-12 basketball games ah. late night where nobody watches, and I think that's perfect <laughs> um, for him. We don't want him on any NBA games because he has a, a tendency to talk about things that have absolutely nothing to do with the game at hand. That's correct. Oh. oh, good old Bill Walton. He's fun, though. Just living life, enjoying himself. Here's our first batch of NBA picks. We'll get Andrew back here in a couple weeks and see where we're at if we've had a couple of these moved on to at least set up round two yet. Again, stuff like Suns, Clippers, Cavs, Knicks. I think some of these are going to get close to a full complement to seven games out of this. But the big topic for this week's show, finally getting into some NFL free agency and draft talk. Really kind of want to look at the uh, NFL draft prospects here, kind of give some of our takes on guys we like, maybe some names you haven't heard about to keep an eye on that you can feel good about your team getting a third and fourth round steal. But I'll pitch it over to you. How do you want to start this? Where do we want to look at first? I think let's not bury the lead. Let's just talk about the most talked about position. Um, Probably going to be the most talked about position between now and the draft and, and on draft night. Let's just go ahead and start with the quarterback. I know that you're a fan of Bryce Young. Um, I'm not, I'm still not entirely sure who's going to go number one. I, I do think it should be Bryce Young to the Panthers, but I would not be surprised if they choose CJ Stroud. And those are really the two options in terms of the top two quarterbacks. And it's really just whatever you prefer. I think Bryce Young is the best. And he reminds me a lot of kind of Kyler Murray in a lot of ways, just a a little bit undersized, a playmaker, maybe not the rushing ability of Kyler, probably a little bit better as a passer, um, but can run. Um, so I, I really like Bryce Young as the number one quarterback. Uh, but from there, I think Stroud is the obvious number two. And then it's really, how do you feel about Anthony Richardson, Will Levis? Those two are kind of the next two in line. Um, I think I'd like Richardson slightly more than Levis, uh, but I, I'm not really sold on either one of those two as a franchise guy. Um, Stroud's more of your pocket passer type. He's not really going to blow you away with his playmaking ability. Uh, he's a little bit taller than Kyler Murray. He's 6'3", 235, 240, somewhere in that range. Uh, can make all the throws that you want, but he's not quite a statue, but a little bit more of a pocket passer, if you will, whereas Bryce Young is kind of making plays on the fly. So it's really whatever you prefer. Um, And then Richardson is really the rusher um, of the group. Maybe not the most accurate passer. I don't really even think passing is his strong suit. Um, and he's not an otherworldly rusher. He's kind of big. He's kind of got that power. Um, reminds me a little bit of a Cam Newton in a way. Um, and then Will Levis, I I like him. I've seen the throws. 
but I get a lot of Zach Wilson vibes from Will Levis. And so that's kind of how I feel about quarterbacks. You hit it on the head. I am all about Bryce Young. I've been talking about him for a while on this show. I think he is a an athletic Drew Brees. I think he's got all the intangibles you want. I think that poise, that leadership, that being able to guide his team, throw the team on his back, that's the biggest thing. The physical tools are there. I think he can make all the throws. I think he's got a big enough arm. He's athletic enough, kind of like that Russell Wilson. He's not going to go Josh Allen and break a 40-yard run and run you over, but I think he keeps plays alive. So for me, Bryce Young is the slam dunk number one, cannot pass up. I don't think Carolina traded up to the one spot without knowing who they wanted. I don't think they thought, okay, let's get up here, and uh, we'll see how we feel about the quarterbacks. I think they did their homework and they knew who they wanted to go with. And for me, it's Bryce Young. I don't see how you cannot go with him. And uh, all the tools there, I'm convinced he's he's going to take the Josh Allen, Justin uh, Herbert route, where it's just one or two years, and he's right up there competing in the top 10. And C.J. Stroud is the one that really concerns me. You talked about Zach Wilson. I have the 2021 draft pulled in front of me. This was year that Trevor Lawrence was a no-doubt, duh, number one pick. It felt like everybody else was talking, well, maybe they should go Trey Lance. Maybe they should go Justin Fields. Like, okay, you're just talking for the sake of making content. I think Trevor Lawrence and Bryce Young are like that, but then you get who's going to be number two. That's where it feels. It seems like the consensus is CJ Stroud. He just really, really worries me. I do think Brock Purdy is maybe the a good comparison there where he's athletic enough to take off and run, but he's not going to burn you down fields like a, just, a, a Justin Fields, a, a Kyler Murray who can just run all over you. Anthony Richardson right. really scares me, though. Yes, he's got the Cam Newton athleticism, if not better, but the the bad mistakes and the lack of experience really make me nervous on Richardson. Yeah, that's – when I say Cam Newton, that's like his best potential outcome, right? I'm not saying that's exactly – but if everything goes exactly right and he reaches his potential, like that's his ceiling is Cam Newton. I don't necessarily think that Richardson is going to be that. I just – I see – when I watch him, that's kind of what I see. And that's and that's the most of the the smart people are saying it is he's maybe the most athletic quarterback to ever play. He's Lamar Jackson with size, so it's the the best comps are Cam and Josh Allen, but more athletic. That's why I think I think he'd be be better suited in a situation where they have a veteran guy who can maybe bridge the gap. That's where I see maybe an indie comes into play or I think Washington would be a great fit for him somewhere where he can sit, learn, doesn't need to be the guy right away. Bryce Young, I'm starting on day one. CJ Stroud, I'm probably starting on day one. Anthony Richardson, I, to me, it's so risky. I think it's like Trey Lance. You have such a small sample size to invest so much in. Yeah, I think, I think you're spot on. Um, so Beyond that, uh, you got any other quarterbacks you like beyond those four top four guys that we've talked about? Yeah. Uh, and again, my ranking, I actually like Will Levis a little more than C.J. Stroud. I just think if you're actually doing a mock, I'd go Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson. I am big on Hendon Hooker. I would – Hendon Hooker is probably my third favorite quarterback. If If I had a team in one of those mid to late rounds, Minnesota's a team where he's mocked to a lot. I don't know that he'll go number one. I think the knee injury is a legitimate concern, but I am, I'm all in on Hendon Hooker. People are going to complain. He's 25 years old. So what? I, I don't care. Jake Hayner is really interesting to me. Uh, played at Fresno State. 
kind of undersized, again, athletic enough, uh, played under dirt cutter this year. So he's got that NFL coaching. So keep an eye on Jake Hayner. Um, I would take a shot on Max Duggan. If I need a quarterback, a, a backup guy, and I've got a pick in the fifth or sixth round, I just love that gritty team mentality, leadership, everything Max Duggan did this year. So those are kind of my guys who you may not hear in the first round, but Max Duggan, Jake Hayner, and then I think Hendon Hooker may be able to sneak in that first round, but those are my deeper on the board guys. Yeah, I like Hendon Hooker. Um, I'm, I respect what you're saying with Duggan and Jake Hayner, but what about Stetson Bennett? Uh, is he a guy that could possibly creep up into that third or fourth round? I mean, I think he'll get drafted. That, I'd be stunned to see him that high. Yeah, I would be too. Um, but I do think uh, he could be a guy that could be a career backup and be a, a quality backup for somebody. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I, beyond the guys that we've mentioned, I really like Stetson Bennett. And the one we didn't mention is Aiden O'Connell. Some people loved him at Purdue. He was he was one of those guys everybody was all over. Keep an eye on Aiden O'Connell. I don't know that he ever peaked, but part of that may be Purdue's fault, not his fault. He's a big guy, 6'3", 213, put up great numbers with the Boilermakers. Keep an eye on him. He's not my favorite. He's another guy who may fall into your career backup. Uh, think of Jacoby Brissett or somebody like that who bounces around the league and has something to offer. I, I think he's at least as good as some of the guys we saw last year, the the Desmond Ritter types. Yeah, I'll compare I'll compare him to another Purdue quarterback, uh, and not named Drew Brees or Kyle Orton. Uh Aiden O'Connell is Curtis Painter. That's a good I one. I don't know. I don't know if you remember that name, but he's yeah, sure, he can uh play backup, maybe probably more like third string um, through the ball all over the yard, but doesn't have a lot of arm strength. A um, lot of, a lot of ducks coming from Aiden O'Connell. So I think he may get drafted, but it wouldn't at all shock me if he goes undrafted at all. So yeah, um, not, not the biggest fan of Aiden O'Connell. You want to keep it here with offensive skill guys? Yeah, we might as well. Well, we'll go up with the guys who are going to be lining up behind those quarterbacks. Let's go running backs. I don't think I'm saying anything shocking. There is one name above all other others in the backfield, and that is Bijan Robinson. If he came out last year, he may have been the first running back taken easily. I think a top 10 talent. If you're playing in a different era, he's a top 10, top five pick. I think he's better than when Saquon Barkley came out. He's as good, if not better, than Ezekiel Elliott when they came out. 2021, Najee Harris went in the first round, 24 to Pittsburgh. Bijan Robinson, to me, is better than him. Running, catching, blocking. He's going to be, I think, a stud running back in this league. It's just the fact that short shelf life, running back by committee, it's easy to find running backs in the mid to late rounds, so somebody's not going to reach for him. To me, Bijan Robinson is everything you want in a modern running back, though. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think he's going to be one of those rare exceptions where he's a three-down guy um, because basically every every team is a committee now. But I think there's a there's few guys who aren't. Derrick Henry, good example of that. But Bijan Robinson, I think, could absolutely step into whatever team and be a three-down guy. But a lot of that will just depend on where he's drafted. What What is your ideal 
Bijan landing spot. The the Buffalo Bills, if the Bills are listening to me, if the Mafia is out there, absolutely draft Bijan Robinson. If he's still sitting there, what are they, 27 or so in the draft? You absolutely have to take him. They are trying to get it done with you know, lower paid veteran backs and just letting Josh Allen do everything. If if he's sitting there, I don't know why you would pass on him. The Bills are a very complete team. They don't need a lot. Take some of the weight off of Josh Allen's shoulders and go get Bijan Robinson to put you over the top. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking too. And that's the perfect setup for uh, fantasy. When we talk about fantasy football, Buffalo would be a really great landing spot for all fantasy players who want to draft Bijan Robinson. Anywhere else, I feel like it might get a little murky with uh, Bijan and anyone else. Although I do think um, staying in Texas and going to Dallas might be good for him. They do have Tony Pollard, but I do think that they do not have Zeke any longer. I think you slot Bijan in into the Dallas offense. That could be a good combo as well. I've heard that one as well. People saying it's Jerry Jones. It's a flashy player also from Texas. It's just everything Jerry Jones loves. Will he be able to, will his son have to lock him in the closet so he doesn't pick up the phone again? A la the Johnny Manziel situation. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly it. Dallas, Dallas, I think Dallas needs another back to compliment Tony Pollard, but would you take it in the first round when you're Dallas and you have some other spots to fill? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. Or, um, you know, I've heard that the Lions are thinking about Bijan at 18. I, I don't know how that makes sense, but they have like seven uh, running backs already. Yeah, they have David Montgomery and DeAndre Swift. Yeah, they seem set. They do seem set, but it would not shock me if just the overwhelming talent, they would just take it because of the overwhelming talent. So, um, yeah, I don't I don't really know where he'll land, uh, but I like Bijan. And then I, I think there's a real there's a real drop off from Bijan Robinson to the next guy. So not really a great year for rookie running backs, in my humble opinion. I like the talent of Jameer Gibbs, but he's a little bit undersized. I don't think he's an every down player. Um You've got Zach Charbonnet and Kendra Miller, Tank Bigsby. Those guys are kind of more power. Rashawn Johnson, also from Texas, kind of more power than speed. Um, but I don't see an NFL three-down running back beyond Bijan Robinson. Yeah, Jameer Gibbs is probably going to be the second one taken. I like two of the names you mentioned. Zach Charbonnet and Tank Bigsby are the two guys that I really like. Probably third or fourth round guys. Like everybody else, they're going to be worked into a rotation. I think they can rise to be lead backs in the league. And running backs always have this happen. You look at last year's draft. Who saw Tyler Algier and Isaac Pacheco having fantastic rookie seasons as mid to late round guys? Running backs, you always have somebody. Every draft has some guy you've never heard of from Kent State become a superstar. For me, those two guys this year, not necessarily unknowns, but your your mid to late rounds are... Charbonnet and Bigsby. Yeah, see, I think it's Charbonnet and Kendra Miller. I really think Kendra Miller is kind of going to be that Tyler Algier type that really surprises a lot of people. 
it's it'll be interesting to see. I'm really excited to see what Bijan Robinson becomes and who else comes with him. Stay on the offensive position players in this one. I suspect we are going to be very all across the board on. It seems like everybody has widely different opinions on this draft class. Kind of seems to be four names at the top. Jackson Smith and Jigba, Quentin Johnston, Zay Flowers has risen up there, and then Jordan Addison. Feels like the four of them have separated from the pack. I have a two that I really like out of that group, but I'll let you go first on your wide receiver picks. Yeah, I really like uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and I think he's uh, far and away the best receiver in this this draft class. Um, I'd put Zay Flowers next, and then probably go Addison uh, and Quentin Johnston running running fourth. So I really think uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, people just forget he put up that 300-yard performance in uh, the Sugar Bowl against Utah and um, was – considered like a preseason Heisman candidate before he got hurt. Um, he's he's going to be really good, I think. I hope he ends up in Green Bay, honestly. I, I hope he's still there at number 15. Probably going 12 to Houston is what I've seen a lot is where he ends up. But really, really hoping that somehow he's there at number 15 because I think he's uh, the wide receiver one. I think Smith and Jigba will probably be the first one drafted. He'd be my number two player in this class. He's, I don't know if he's quite Chris Olave-ish. He's that Wes Welker, middle of the field slot kind of guy. He's going to get a lot of catches and a lot of yards. He's not your big body guy. I just worry that people think when you hear a star receiver now, they're thinking of a, they're they're picturing Quentin Johnston is what they're picturing. So we've got conditioned to that. But I think Smith is a little smaller, quicker guy who's going to work the middle. The guy I love is Jordan Addison. I, I'm all in on the production that he put up in college. The site I'm looking at lists him at 5'11", 173, so a little leaner than a lot of the other guys. And we have that same worry about Devontae Smith. Worked out just well for him. He's carved out a nice career. We've had so many great receivers. Last year, you had Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave have fantastic rookie campaigns. Previous to that, the great class with is it Jamar Chase. That's the year before them. Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, uh, Third one, Devontae Smith, Amon Ross, St. Brown. I I don't know that we have that kind of class, but you see these fantastic rookie campaigns. I think Jordan Addison is immediately going to be a steal for somebody. He's listed kind of down in that fourth spot. I don't know what the excitement is around Zay Flowers, and then I do not trust Quentin Johnston at all. Big guy is going to go up. He Maybe a Chase Claypool I think would be his peak, and I love to chase Claypool coming out of college in his first year. It's kind of cooled off a bit. Still a spot in the NFL for that guy. I just don't know that I can justify top 15, top 20 pick on anybody here except for Njigba and Addison. I'm with you on Quentin Johnston. Um, I think, yeah, I, I, I cannot trust the big-bodied guy much anymore. I think he's – I think his best outcome is to be Martavis Bryant without the off-the-field trouble. Hmm. So – yeah, I, th- I, think a, I think he's a number two compliment kind of guy. I'm trying to look at some teams who, okay, maybe they need a, a second option. I, I know yeah. they don't have a first round pick, but like the Browns, give them somebody to work alongside Amari Cooper and then move Donovan Peoples-Jones to your third receiver, something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I can't really debate with you too much. I do think... Zay Flowers is flying a little bit 
under the radar though. Um, he, he was kind of my number two guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's a really good route runner. I kind of like the route running of Zay flowers more than I do of a guy like Addison. Um, we're really, we're really picking nits once we get past Smith and Jigba in my, in my personal opinion. And looking a little bit further down the board, I, I will disagree with you on flowers. I, I, not that he can't have a good NFL career. I just don't see the first round hype. A guy that I think is still underrated. He's making some noise. Josh Heupel's got me buying into all these Tennessee guys. Jalen Hyatt, I would absolutely take on my team any day of the week. Probably will end up being in that second round. I think depending if there's a team who likes him, could rise to the bottom of the first. I still feel like I say his name wrong every time and probably do, but Rishi, Rishi Rice from SMU, another Decent, decent sized guy. He'd be a good jump ball touchdown guy for you. Those are the two that I really like in that second to third round. Got to give some credit to Xavier Hutchinson. I think he's going to be a touchdown machine in the NFL, but is way down the board. So much in this wide receiver class, it just kind of depends what you're looking for. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm glad you brought up Hutchinson. I don't know what his NFL future will be. I think you feel good with him as your fourth guy probably um but i think he's gonna he's gonna make a roster for sure Uh, i'm just not real sure about him um to be quite honest i think he'll probably be a third round guy from what i've seen last big body big body to iowa state receiver who is undervalued alan lazard oh i thought you were gonna say hakeem butler and everyone was right (laughs) <laughs> I do remember people talking about him as a first round wide receiver. And then I thought, wait, what? No, I, I mean, I know he's a good receiver, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. There's a lot of good receivers here. I don't think it's maybe quite at the level of last year's draft class, but I think there's still plenty of good receivers here. We'll continue moving on here. Maybe pick up the pace a little bit. We talked about the headline positions. The tight end class, I don't see it. Some smart people, Daniel Jeremiah, I think is one. He's a guy I listen to a lot for draft insight. He loves this tight end class, I believe. Michael Mayer was the top guy. I saw him as high as top 10 player in this entire draft. Dalton Kincaid out of Utah has risen up. Kind of have those two seem to be separating from the pack. And then the physical specimen that is Darnell Washington People have always wondered what would it be like if LeBron James played football? Well, that's what Darnell Washington is at 6'7", 264. A beast there. So you have those three, and then I will let you talk about your darling Iowa tight end because there has to be one in every draft. So to me, it feels I would go with Mayer as my top one, but Mayer, Kincaid, and Darnell Washington are the three headline names right now. Yeah, I think I'd go actually Kincaid, Mayer, Laporta, and then Washington. Washington. Washington is a is a good blocker. Um, reminds me a lot of Mercedes Lewis, but leaves a lot to be desired in terms of pass catching. And so I'm going to always value the guys that are better route runners um, and pass catchers. And I think uh, Laporta is going to surprise a lot of people. I've seen certain mock drafts that have uh, three tight ends going in the first round, of which Laporta is one. So... 
I, uh, I really, I really value pass catching. And then um, with Dalton Kincaid, I think he's just an absolute mismatch. And I'm not going to say who he reminds me of, but I'm thinking about it. And uh, that's just a hint. I'm not going to tell you who he reminds me of, but he reminds me of a prominent NFL tight end. Good. That dovetails into the question I wanted to ask you. I get that they're, they're at different stages of their career. Some of them are even retired. Some are just getting started. You can have one Iowa Hawkeye tight end ever to play in the NFL. TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant, Dallas Clark, or George Kittle? This is really a Dallas Clark, George Kittle conversation. Oh, no love for Hawkinson. Uh, no, I love Hawkinson, but he's just not, he's just not on the level of the other two. So really he's running third, um, in this conversation. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give the edge to Dallas Clark, um, Super Bowl champion, one of Peyton Manning's favorite targets. I think that's a pretty good sign. Um, but if you ask me again in five years, I'll probably say George Kittle. Um, but now, as it stands today, Dallas Clark. And one more tight end name for me. Luke Musgrave may get into that higher second round. I think I think he'll be somewhere in the second, if not early third. Uh, just a, I think a good modern athletic pass-catching tight end. I don't know that he's the big-bodied blocker. Uh, a great athlete for the position. So Luke Musgrave is the name. If your team gets him as your tight end, you're sitting pretty. Yeah, he's the big-bodied guy who can't block but can catch. <laughs> so he's going to be well, like, a red, oh, sorry. like a red zone tight end. Perfect. All right, well, let's get to those blockers here. Put the finishing touch on the offensive side of the ball. This seems to have fluctuated a little bit. I don't know that we have, as much as I hate to give your guys any credit, I don't know that we have a Tristan Wirfs in this class. I don't know that there's a Trent Williams. I do think we have maybe some more a Wyatt Teller, a Taylor Luan, guys like that who may sneak into a Pro Bowl now and then, but I don't know that we have anybody who's tippy-top amazing. But the best of the bunch, I would say, is Peter Skaronsky at Northwestern. Always like Northwestern guys. Kind of was the same thing with Rashawn Slater. People nitpicked things. He had short arms, I think, was the thing with Slater. He's crushing it for the Chargers right now. Skaronsky, Northwestern guy again. Smart, has the football IQ. I think he's the most polished guy. He's got the technique. Decent size, not overwhelmingly huge, but if you just want a prototypically built, smart, technical lineman, it's Skaronsky. Paris Johnson, similar in that vein, both offensive tackles. The two that I think are more projects are Broderick Jones and Darnell Wright. I'm especially interested in what Broderick Jones did. Really rose up this year at Georgia, got his chance to shine. He's the guy I think could become the big, nasty mauler out of this class. Skronsky's my favorite, but if I want a project, Broderick Jones is my pick there. Yeah, I think um, Skronsky is the number one just because he's the most plug-and-play out of all the offensive linemen that are considered in the first round. Um, but I think you're hitting it on the head and no, there's not a Tristan Wirfs level tackle. Um, that should tell you those kinds of guys don't come around very often. So when you have a chance to get one, you better take it. 
But um, I think Skronsky is the best as just a pure plug and play. And then it's really um, whatever you do you prefer. Um, like you said, I kind of like Darnell Wright as the second guy uh, more than Broderick Jones or Paris Johnson. Uh, probably Paris Johnson running third and then Broderick Jones after that. Um, Osiris Terrence, Dewan Jones. I think those are a couple other guys to keep an eye on, but. Uh, not a uh, overly loaded offensive tackle, offensive line class here in uh, 2023. Uh, some of the other names just to throw out there, Jalen Duncan at Maryland is one. There's, there's going to be a weird amount of Maryland guys in the second and third round. I don't know where the Terrapins got these guys. I think they won't have many in the first round, but day two is going to be loaded with Maryland players. Steve Avila from TCU got a lot of chance to shine, clearing the way for Max Duggan this year. Matthew Bergeron at Syracuse can be a guard or a tackle. And then the guy that I hear a lot of people talking about is Cody Mock, who's smaller than a lot of his contemporaries. People love the versatility. However, when you hear pundits talk, the North Dakota State Bison, Cody Mock is the guy who they say, play him at any five positions. He'll be a star for you. Like you said, not Maybe not many pro bowlers or headline names here like a Joe Thomas. Some some good depth and uh, plug-and-play guys, however, for the future. Yep, absolutely. Where do you like to start your defense? I think we got to start with the interior. And um, you can really separate into like D linemen, edge rushers, um, however you want to start, but I think it really starts with the defensive line. Well, let's go, let's go with the edge rushers. The best player in this class is an edge rusher, Will Anderson Jr. out of Alabama. This is another one of those talking points I think people do because they need content. The criticism of his 2022 wasn't as good. He was a menace in 2021. Had he come out last year, I still think he would have been the top player. I think he was better than Trayvon Walker. I like Hutchinson, Aiden Hutchinson, better than Trayvon Walker. Will Anderson seems to be better than both, and those two have been fantastic, as does Kayvon Thibodeau to start out. Will Anderson is a wrecking crew. The immediate comparison is Von Miller, and I think he is well-warranted of that. Keep an eye on him as as the surefire number one. The guy number two for me and on most people's boards is Tyree Wilson. Some people are putting Tyree Wilson above Anderson because he's taller, longer, has your more prototypical Miles Garrett look. Those two, to me, are separating out, and I see as being the top two drafted. I'm going to skip over one guy because I do not believe in him, and it's going to make you very sad. Nolan Smith I really like as your experienced, intangible guy. A lot of names out there, Miles Murphy and Brian Brees, the two Clemson D linemen, where do they fall? Uh, but that's kind of your top tier, the guys who are going to be in the first round. There's a lot of mid and low round guys. We can get to those. I know there's one in particular I did not mention, so I'll leave it for you. But to me, it's Anderson, Tyree Wilson, and everybody else. Yeah, I think it's uh, no, I think it's more of a three-man race than you want to let on. Um, but I, I do agree that Anderson and Wilson are the top two. But I do think uh, Lucas Van Ness is the clear-cut number third. Um, just curious why you aren't big on the guy. Is it, is it just because of the jersey he's wearing? Wasn't wasn't he not even a starter this year? Okay, well that see that, that, that is, really bothers me. You're going to tell me you're an NFL starter, first round player, no. and you couldn't crack the starting lineup at Iowa. 
No, 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 no. Um, people who are concerned about a guy who's not a starter at Iowa really haven't watched Iowa's defense. Oh yeah, I and, do. That's that's intentional on my part. Okay, but let me let me explain. Um, he wasn't a starter in name only because he played um, significant. You got to look at the snaps that he played compared to the other defensive line guys. Well, that's, that's not really, fair. Iowa's defense is on the field the whole game. That's actually not true. <laughs> um, but you also have to look at the depth um, that Iowa had as well. And they rotate defensive linemen heavily. Um, you, you wouldn't say this about a Georgia guy because, um, yeah, like basically the way I can put it is the concerns about him not being a starter are completely overblown. Uh, he was on the field for all the most important downs uh, of the season and was the edge rusher for all those important downs as well. So um, concerns about him not being a starter, it's just they're worried about something in name only. Um, and eye-popping stats, well, the man didn't um, – the, the man commanded a lot of double teams on that defensive line. If you're worried about him, go ahead and watch his tape against uh, Skronsky, and you can watch how he just absolutely dominates Skronsky, who's the top offensive tackle one-on-one repeatedly. And uh, he also dominates Paris Johnson too. Uh, so, yeah, I don't, I think the concerns about him are not being a starter are completely overblown. So, I can give you Tyree Wilson and definitely Will Anderson, but I think uh, Lucas Van Ness has some real top 10 potential here just based off need. I, I really think he's going to end up a Philadelphia Eagle pick number 10. I And I'm not saying he can't make it in the NFL. My, my question is a top 10 or a first-round NFL draft pick. For me, I actually think we may be a little low on edge rushers in this draft class. There's a position group coming up that I think will eat up a lot of those spots. Usually we see a lot of edge rushers go early and seven or eight of them in the first round. Maybe we get four or five this year. For me, Van Ness is more in that that second group with the Felix Anadike uh, Uzama out of K-State, Will McDonald at Iowa State, Andre Carter from Army. I think that tier of guys who are all, to me, NFL starters, guys who can have long careers, that's where I see Van Ness is kind of more in line with those guys, and you're maybe the fifth or sixth best D end in the class. Not a, not a guy who's going to fall. Just the talking about a top 10, 15 pick makes me nervous. Yeah, well, I think he is um, a better version of Trey Hendrickson. So uh, we're worlds apart on where how we <laughs> feel about Van Ness. I think he's going to be a future Pro Bowl edge rusher. Hey, and that's and that took Trey Hendrickson a couple of years to get there, so maybe that is a is a fair out. Hendrickson really struggled his first three years, and now he's a back to back Pro Bowler. Yeah, that's why I say he's superior. He's probably not going to struggle as much his first three years, but you know we're we're worlds apart. I get it, I get it, but it's fine. Well, let's go inside to the big boys. Jalen Carter, the clear cut top one here. The off the field stuff, they are going to move beyond that. 
People talk about he was better than anybody else in that Georgia defense last year, and that was maybe the best defense in college football history. So talking about him being better than Nicobe Dean and Trayvon Walker and all the other guys who went in the early rounds, would not be shocked to, to see him be a top five pick unless teams trade up to go get all those quarterbacks. I expect Jalen Carter and Will Anderson to both be in the top five. To me, it drops off a little bit. Again, Brian Brees and Miles Murphy, where do they fit on an NFL defensive line? Could be a question. Those would be your next guys. Otherwise, defensive tackle for me really thins out after that. Mozzie Smith is a kind of a curiosity out of Michigan. A huge guy. Where does he fit, though? Gervin Dexter seems to have fallen down a few boards. Once you get past Jalen Carter, though, I don't know what to make of the D tackles. Yeah, I really don't either. It's Yeah, it's Jalen Carter and a huge gap between everybody else. Some somebody's gonna pop. I'm just trying to figure out who the name is to. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess Mazzy Smith would probably be the guy that's gonna pop if anybody. Now, if you want something fun, the the list I'm looking at has him dropping about 20 pounds. But Siaki Ika from Baylor, he was 350 plus at some point this season. So they list him at 6'3", 335 now. If you just want a big beast of a human. In the middle of your defensive line, you want that on your football team. Go get uh, Ika from Baylor. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting name. But like you said, huge guy. Not sure if I believe the three thirty report. <laughs> I think that's being kind to him. But yeah, I think that's yeah very very interesting interior draft defensive lineman draft. We'll keep moving back through the defense here into the more prototypical linebackers. Feels like more teams are going to something like a 4-2-5, so you don't get as many linebackers, and it's kind of like running back where it's not as valuable as it was 10, 20, 30 years ago. Again, we have an Iowa guy, and this is the one who I thought would have been the most touted Hawkeye. The list I'm looking at has him about the fourth linebacker. I think Trenton Simpson has been the guy from Clemson to really watching this. Drew Sanders from Arkansas has done well. And then Mr. Jack Campbell from the Hawkeyes, guy that I really like is Noah Sewell out of Oregon. You like violent hitting football. Sewell's a guy for you. He seems to kind of tumble down to that fourth or fifth round. So maybe maybe not a first-round linebacker. If so, somebody gets one late. It's just your traditional stand-up linebackers don't have the value that you used to. That's true. The linebackers don't have the value that they used to. Um, Jack Campbell is getting overlooked. Um Big time. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with relative athletic score, but it's a measurement of all of your 40, your three cone, your shuttle, everything all combined with your height and your weight and where you should be. Um, Jack Campo has the best, sixth best relative athletic score of any linebacker ever. Uh, 9.98 on a 10 point scale. At six five, yeah, he's, he's um, huge for a middle linebacker. Most of these guys list at six one six two. Right, that's that's kind of the knock. Is like he's a big dude, but um, you put on the tape, you see the athletic scores. Um, this dude is. If this draft was happening twenty years ago, he might be top five, and we might be like, "Oh, is this the?" second coming of Ray Lewis. Um, but because linebackers are devalued, 
I, I don't know. I really think he's the best pure inside linebacker in this draft. And then take your pick between Simpson and Sanders. But they're they're not quite on the same level for me. Yeah, I think those guys, they're probably all second round guys. Sanders, Campbell, Simpson, uh, Sewell maybe a little bit later. And then throw in another name, because I feel like I saw him a lot in college, DeMarvion Overshone from Texas, Kansas City Chiefs linebacker, Nick Bolton. I feel like that Nick Bolton type is not going to get a lot of hype and then ends up as a star on a roster. Yeah, that that's a pretty good name. Uh, out to the cornerback class, this is one I was talking about earlier. People seem to be falling in love with these cornerbacks, and you have so many different types. I think we're looking at maybe six guys end up going in the first round from this class. The one who everybody, he's one of those draft darlings up there with Lucas Van Ness, these guys who are climbing up boards like crazy. It's Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon. I've seen him as top five in some mock drafts. To me, Gonzalez is more of your, he's your tall, long, he's more of an elegant, graceful cornerback. You have Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois, who's just your prototypical, I need to come up with a, find me a synonym for a prototypical your traditional cover Alexander. Of course. Because that's who Witherspoon that's who Witherspoon reminds me of. To, to me, he's just the the true classic blanket cover corner. And then you have guys like Cam Smith and Joey Porter who are gonna knock the daylights out of you. So you have those four to me are the top. Then you have Deontay Banks and Keely Ringo. Ringo out of Georgia was another guy who was a top ten pick to start the college season. Any of those six, I think it's end up see going in the first round, which Feels pretty heavy for a cornerback group. Yeah, I think I'm. I've. I think I daily flip flop between Witherspoon and Gonzalez in terms of the corners. And today I'm in a Witherspoon mood, and <laughs> um, he's a cover corner, but he is also a, a tackling machine. Um, he will hit you hard too. So I think uh, Devin Witherspoon is kind of born to be a Raider. So I think he's going to end up with the That's Raiders. Uh, I, I feel a lot more confident. I like Witherspoon, Porter, and Smith more than Gonzalez. All of them can probably play. We'll get first-round drafts. I just Something about Gonzalez, I don't know, and this is even watching a lot of Oregon football, I don't know that he really popped off the screen to me like he has for some other people. It's I, I, I get liking the length and the athleticism. Just personal preference, really, what it is, liking the three other guys a little bit more. And how I just I so badly want Joey Porter Jr. to get drafted by the Bengals or the Ravens. Yeah, um, just for the old that'd man, be, that'd be interesting for the old man. So, um, yeah, I like Porter Jr. I just like Gonzalez a little bit more. And we got to mention another Iowa guy who's going to play corner, um, probably a four, fourth rounder, but. Maybe third rounder, but uh, Riley Moss. I thought he and Merriweather were both safeties. Um, nope, it's a lot of a lot of teams I've read have told him that they believe that he can play at cornerback, and he has absolutely has the speed to. Um, I believe he ran like a four four three forty yard dash. Um, so he absolutely has the speed and the coverage skills to play corner in the in the NFL um whether that's outside or slot corner so I don't really think he's switching to safety but 
Uh, Merriweather will play safety, and we can get to safeties in a minute, but not a great year for safeties. I get that it's tough because you've seen one of the duos already have a year in the NFL, but last year, number three and four were Derek Stingley Jr. and Ahmad Sauce Gardner. Stingley Jr. and Gardner or Witherspoon and Gonzalez, if you can go back in your brain to a year ago at this time. Yeah, that's it's tough because Gardner, Gardner's just so good that, you know, I'm not really – I don't really know how Stingley's year went because he kind of faded was, into obscurity in Houston. Yeah, he played – so played in nine games, 35 tackles and an interception compared to Sauce with played all 17, 51 and two. Yeah, give me give me Witherspoon and Gonzalez because I think together that combo is going to have a better rookie season. Um, but Gardner's the best out of that foursome. Eden Hutchinson had three interceptions last year. How's that possible? Uh, he dropped back into coverage a couple times, apparently. <laughs> so this is um, this got me looking at that draft. Last year's DB class, Tariq Woolman, Jalen Petrie both had great years. Kirby Joseph had a nice year. Yeah. And then uh, Sauce Gardner feels like the best pick in that draft so far. Absolutely. Um, one other defensive back that I have to mention, a Kansas State guy, former Iowa guy as well, Julius Brents. Hmm. Um, probably going to go at a certain point and – uh, Richard Sr., a little old, 6'3", um, so tall corner, um, but reminds me of uh, Trayvon Diggs a little bit. I'll, so. give, I'll give you two that are going to be in the same realm as him. Eli Ricks out of Alabama, a lot of playing time with the Crimson Tide, going to have an experienced high football IQ player. And then Clark Phillips out of Utah, I watched a few of his games this year. He's compact and powerful. The only list him is 5'9", but he hits and he is all over wide receivers. You want a guy who plays above his size, physical Clark Phillips the third out of Utah is the guy for me. Nice. How about your guy uh, Anthony Johnson Jr. as well? Uh, sixth or seventh round probably, even though they have like the most games I think played in Iowa State history. Some crazy yeah, number like that. I think that's true. I think he, he did have the most. I think he played five years. Man, I hope he get hope he gets a shot. I Will McDonald is the Iowa State guy who's going to get the most excitement, and then Anthony Johnson, Xavier Hutchinson. Hopefully, some of those guys get snuck in there. Yeah, that'll be a big storyline. Just uh, for Iowa State, is can uh, Will McDonald break the streak? We'll finish this up with the safeties. I'll save the the big star name for you. There's maybe going to be one safety that goes in the first round. Looking at your middle round guys, Antonio Johnson out of Texas A and M was a guy who used to be a little bit higher on the board. Hopefully there's still some shine for him. Jordan Battle, another Alabama guy with a lot of experience. Uh, Benny Sapp III, that name should ring a bell for, for you. Those are those are the three that stand out to me. Benny Sapp III, you already mentioned Kayvon Merriweather, Jordan Battle, and Antonio Johnson. I'll throw J.L. Skinner in there, but there's, there's maybe one safety that goes in the first. Yeah, and I, I'm not so sure that he will. I mean, I'm assuming you're talking about Brian Branch. That is correct. Um, did not test well. I don't think, I don't think we're seeing a safety in the first round. And if we do, someone's reaching. Um, this is not, 
if you are looking for a starting safety in this class, you're not finding it here. Um, yeah, I really, I really uh, think all the safeties tested poorly at the combine at their pro days. Um, some good corner class. And I guess maybe that is a little bit of the talk with like a guy like Riley Moss, maybe flipping him to safety. Some team might see it that way just because of the lack of safeties at um, the rookie spot here. So I don't really know what to say, but I don't really see it with any of these guys. And maybe safeties are trending the way of running backs and linebackers. Looking at the recent history here, the 20... 2020 draft, no first-round safeties. 2021, the same. And last year, the only first-rounder was Kyle Hamilton. And coming out of Notre Dame, people talked about him like he was the next Steve Atwater, some otherworldly safety. Yeah, I, or like Ed Reed. <laughs> and I just I wonder, is it just the way the NFL is going where corners are more valued? Or, and again, this is just you know pro football references listing. Some guys are kind of that amorphous DB distinction or cornerback who gets converted to a safety, but... Just out-and-out out safeties. It seems like teams are just kind of waiting till the second round before they jump into that position. Yeah, I mean, safeties kind of are going out of style because you think about how many receivers. I mean, every team is playing three starting receivers now, at least. So that means three corners to keep up with those receivers. Got your two outside guys, and you've got to have a slot guy now. Slot cornerback is a – or nickelback, whatever you want to call it, is a legitimate starting position in the NFL, and that is in favor of a, like a strong safety type. Or you play that four-two-five, right? You take a linebacker off the field and kind of risk getting run on to kind of cover the wide receivers. So that I think you're on to something there with uh, linebackers and safeties – getting a little bit more devalued just because of the way offenses are trending. Anything else draft related that we need to get to or NFL for agency or anything in that realm? You got any uh, love for any kickers or punters? Are we going to get any kickers or punters drafted? I guess I haven't heard of anybody this year who is eligible that anybody's excited about. I feel like somebody's going to sneak in there at the end. I just, uh, just pulled up the names. The the highest is the 327th ranked. Jack Podlesny sounds familiar. That may just be because he's the Georgia kicker, so we got a lot of exposure to him. So let's, okay. let's, let's give Mr. Jack Podlesny, the Georgia kicker, a shot. Okay. Um, where is the NFL draft this year? Uh, are you going to go? It's in Kansas City. Oh. Um, I don't know. What does it cost to get into the NFL draft, I wonder? Do you think it's – that's a fine question. Is it free? I don't know. I don't think it's free. I think I think there's some sort of tickets you got to buy if you want to be actually, like, close to the stage. But I guess it is in Kansas City. I could think about going. Um, scheduled to be at the plaza outside of Union Station. Is that just Power and Light District? I would assume so. I'm not familiar enough with Kansas City to know exactly where that is. Uh, man. I'll probably sit and watch at home like I always do. Lot, lot um, cheaper. Much, much cheaper to just sit and watch at home and uh, enjoy the analysis and all the awkward TV moments that way. 2023 so. NFL draft powered by Bud Light. Blah, 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 blah. 
there's a post concert from noon to 10 p.m. Who's the concert? Uh, presumably somebody country. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's that's fine by me. Um, they can't just simply tell me tickets. Maybe there's not tickets. Yeah, maybe there's not. All right. Well, that's a that's interesting. Ooh, but... you can do the uh, you can basically do a combine. There's a forty yard dash, a vertical jump, field goal kick, hail mary. Um, someday we should do that, <laughs> but uh, maybe not this year, and maybe not in like nine days. I'm not in any sort of physical shape to be ready to do a combine and even if i do work myself into good physical shape it's gonna my results will be poor (laughs) and i already tell you guys that now i'm not a first round draft prospect with my athletic skills wouldn't it just be fun to say you did like a 40 time as well as somebody even if it is that 370 pound offensive tackle who goes in the seventh round just just to say you were almost on par with him yeah that would be great um, I used to go to a gym that actually did that kind of stuff. It was pretty wild. But, um, yeah, no, I'm not an athletic specimen by any stretch of the imagination. They are making this as hard as humanly possible for to just give me ticket information. All right. Well, we won't, we won't keep you here all night trying to look up ticket information <laughs> to, uh, the NFL draft in Kansas city. I can uh, go on and look that up myself. I just wonder if we're going to have any, um, alleged. Okay. From what I'm saying, it claims it's free. Uh, if you see me going crazy in Kansas city in the front row of the NFL draft, uh, I don't know. Are you going to be decked out in painted up in green and yellow? I don't know. I'll probably be wearing my Jersey, but, my Rogers jersey, which will be really awkward. <laughs> Ooh, that's that's a good question. Will he be traded before or during the draft? I think it's gonna be a during Ooh. the draft. I think we're getting the most dramatic scenario possible. Like they walk so, to announce the Jets pick, and then it's that the Jets pick has been traded to the Packers. Yeah, and that the Jets have somehow traded uh, that first rounder, their second rounder this year, and two more first rounders for Aaron Rodgers. Packers on the clock at 13 and 15. Yeah, I don't think that's how it would actually go down. I think it'd be a pick swap and then uh, maybe a couple seconds probably um, at best. But we'll we'll see. Um, there is the potential, though, that it happens after the draft. So don't be too shocked if it doesn't happen before or during, um, if it happens after, if this thing drags out through the summer. So before we get you out of here this week, I do want to get your picks on another set of playoffs. I have a whole bunch of research and names written down here. Don't get to get to it this week, so I'll save the real in-depth for next week. But I need your NHL playoff picks for the first round. Okay. Uh, So you've got the, for simplicity, Bruins versus Panthers. The Bruins, the number one seed, set the scoring record in every basic regular season record possible in the NHL. Yeah, give me the Bruins. Smart choice. You got the Maple Leafs versus the Lightning. Uh, Maple Leafs. Yeah, Canadian team hasn't won it in a long time, right? That's correct. And the Lightning won two straight before the Avs stopped their three-peat last year. 
That's right. And then, we talked about that. And the other, give me the Maple Leafs. In the other Eastern Division, you got the one Hurricanes versus the number four seed Islanders. Canes. Smart choice. They have won four straight opening rounds in the NHL tournament. Okay. Also, completely useless factoid. The Hurricanes and the Islanders both have a player named Sebastian Ajo. He's going to have a great series. <laughs> of all the names in the world, there's two Sebastian Ajos, both in the NHL, both in this series. One's from Sweden and one's from Finland. That's very interesting and completely unnecessary. <laughs> and then in the all New York, New Jersey series, we've got the number two Devils versus the number three Rangers. I think the Rangers are going to win this. Well, we agreed on three out of four. I just went with the Lightning. Okay. All right. And well, then I, I win just out of spite. <laughs> uh, and then over in the West, you've got the Knights and the Jets, the, the Vegas Golden Knights and the Winnipeg Jets. I'm like that person who picks mascots in March Madness. So um, give me uh, the Golden Knights because I just like the mascot. Going down the two versus three, you've got the Oilers, Edmonton Oilers, and the Los Angeles Kings. Um, cheering for the Kings in the NBA, so why not the uh, NHL? LA I like Kings. It. I like it. All right, and then in the other division, you've got the number one Dallas Stars versus the Minnesota Wild. Uh, gotta cheer for the team that has the Iowa affiliation, so Minnesota. Then your two versus three, the Colorado Abs, the defending champions, versus the Seattle Kraken, the second-year team making the playoffs in just their second year of existence. Yeah, I got to cheer for the second-year team. So Kraken over Abs. So let's get your Stanley Cup matchup. Coming out of the East, you have the Bruins, the Leafs, the Hurricanes, or the Rangers. Bruins, Leafs, Hurricanes, or Rangers. Give me the Leafs. Nice. Austin Matthews leading the way there. He is supposed to be the next big star. And then over in the West, you've got the Vegas Golden Knights, Los Angeles Kings, Minnesota Wild, and the Seattle Kraken. I will Uh, tell you, we disagreed a lot more in the West. Uh, The Wild are going to make a run. So Minnesota. I think Minnesota's, it's their year. They're going to go all the way. The Wild fans love to hear that. And... So your your Stanley Cup winner, Maple Leafs or Minnesota Wild? Yeah, the Wild. The Wild are winning the Stanley Cup. They're bringing it home. A, a true Cinderella story. I think maybe the last team to secure their playoff spot, riding that wave yeah. all the way to a to a Stanley Cup, first in Wild history. Yep. Yeah, this is absolutely not going to happen. Do not go out and bet this. But <laughs> uh, I'm totally just picking the team that has the Iowa affiliation, folks. So. Uh, I don't know. Who do you think it'll actually be? The Bruins, probably? Bruins are the smart choice, but the the team with the highest winning percentage kind of famously does not do well in the NHL playoffs. Uh, I, I I love my Lightning. I really love... To me, it's, it's Lightning and Bruins in the East. The West, I'm a lot more torn. I'm going to keep picking the Oilers till they finally get it done. Um, 
So Bruins, Lightning, Oiler, and Abs are my top four. I think I'm going to go Oilers over the Lightning to to take it home. But I think there's a lot of great series. If if you're not satisfied with the NBA Eastern Conference giving you four and five game series, the NHL I think is going to have some doozies here in the first round. Leafs, Lightning, fantastic matchup. Uh, Oilers, Kings, fantastic matchup. So plenty of hockey to sink your teeth into. If you haven't been a hockey fan in the past, this playoffs could be a great introduction. All right. All right. Nice breakdown. Anything else for episode 101? Uh, no, a little anticlimactic coming down from episode 100. Well, we'll get to, we'll get you back here two weeks. We get our NFL draft. That's one of the fun ones where we can scrutinize everything and show how smart we are by this team made bad picks and this team made brilliant steals. Yeah, we can get our uh, hindsight glasses on. And in no way will we be wrong about any of it. Absolutely not. We're going to be spot on with everything in the NFL draft this year, I've decided. We thank you all for joining us here on episode 101. We will be back next week with our mock draft episode, and then two weeks, hopefully get Andrew back in here to examine the draft, check in on the NBA and NHL playoffs, and turn the page into May, what's on our sports calendar. Thank you all for joining us. We'll see you next time. Thank you.